You want to find your tribe of raving fans. I'm going to help you do it. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 316 Media, where we help you do better business. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lab, and you're watching episode... Oh, what are we at now? Uh, see, I just recorded seven, so this would be eight. This would be episode eight of uh, Digging Deep, where we help business owners uh, build better businesses and uh, do better business. And today I am joined uh, by a uh, bookkeeper um, with a team who has been in the business uh, for the last two years, helping uh, small businesses uh, build their financial statements, uh, help them with their bookkeeping, uh, and he's a visual ERP specialist. Uh, their team is uh, located on the web at intrepiddm.com. Please make sure you check the link if you're on YouTube uh, so that you can uh, contact with them. And Ryan Rock, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. Amazing. So visual uh, ERP, what is that? Uh, visual is the name of the software. It's owned by Infor Global Solutions. Um, and ERP is Enterprise Resource Planning. So it's a software package designed to help businesses manage their manufacturing activities. Mm, fantastic. Excellent. So uh, that's got to be quite a, quite a uh, specialized niche. It is. Yeah. My business partner and I are both certified with Infor Global Solutions to provide consulting or general uh, support throughout North America. We're a bit unique in that we're both designated accountants as well as certified visual ERP specialists. So the combination um, sort of makes our, our services a little bit unique and different from, from the rest. Amazing. And I also noticed that you're doing fractional CMO work. And so for those people uh, who don't know, what does CMO stand for? It's actually fractional CFO. Oh, CFO. And yeah, no problem. Fractional just means sort of part-time. Um, and CFO is your chief financial officer. Uh, what we do is we support uh, small to mid-sized businesses um, become an extension of their team, provide them with access of senior financial um, management, leadership, knowledge, direction, uh, at a fraction of the cost that it would that it would otherwise be for somebody full time. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And booking P services is pretty straightforward. Yeah, our bookkeeping is pretty straightforward. Uh, we're a bit unique in that. Um, not all bookkeeping firms uh, are CPA led. So uh, a designated accountant is reviewing the work and also providing um, feedback and guidance to our bookkeeping team. And as well can, you know, define and, and present the information um, in, in a way that's logical to the client and we can explain where the numbers are coming from. I think you can see that's uh, a very useful thing. I think a lot of people um, don't really know the numbers, especially in the small business realm. And actually, one of the reasons why you're here today. So um, I had a direct message from a couple of people uh, who are in small business, and they struggle uh, about understanding the metrics of 
you know, how their business is doing. And, you know, they're using QuickBooks or they're using uh, another CRM software and they're taking their invoices and they kind of know their expenses. But one of the things that they're really trying to understand or try to grasp is what makes a good dashboard? Like, how are they really understanding what the health of their business looks like? What kind of key things can they put onto this dashboard that they could look at on a day-to-day -day basis and know that, you know, there's either trouble ahead or there's trouble in the pipeline, um, you know, the, the overall health of the business. And, and, and that's why, you know, I reached out to you to see if uh, you would be able to shed some light on some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very good question. And it's, it's one that a lot of small business owners, um, you know, they lack the detailed reporting and more importantly, reporting that means something to them that will tell them something uh, useful. So there are uh, various different uh, KPIs or ways to measure how well your business is doing, not only um, today, but also to help you forecast in the future and pre prepare for some ups and downs uh, as best you can. One of the main areas that small businesses and mid-sized businesses or businesses in general for the most part uh, is cash flow. So it's really important to have a solid understanding and a system in place to manage your cash, understand when those shortages are going to come up um, and be able to plan for them, as well as knowing when you've got excess cash to invest into activities that are going to generate additional revenue. Okay. And, and so that, that's an interesting point that you make there. Um, I think a lot of small business owners, at least in the artist community, where like photographers or videographers maybe uh, at, um, and I'm not sure if it's rapid in any other industry, but it seems that a lot of small uh, business owners uh, kind of spend the money before they kind of, kind of actually have it in the bank. And, and I think, my conversation in the last few days with a few different people have led me to this is where, you know, they've gone out to buy equipment, even though they couldn't really quite afford it in the hopes and or in the um, anticipation that business is coming in or they're booking and they've got a deposit and they're, they're paying in advance. Now, in my world, I mean, I built a lot of our business on that where, you know, we did have equipment leases and stuff to build it rapidly. Um, but I mean, for us, uh, for me personally, I tried to mitigate a lot of that by, you know, trying not to overspend and, and making sure that it was still tangible or, or, or at least manageable in some sense um, under, under high stress like we are in now. Um, mm. what, what is your suggestion for somebody to be able to look at that um, particular metric in cash flow? and to determine whether that should be allocated to say like an emergency fund versus investing into their business. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So a couple of areas that cash flow management requires uh, diligent sort of reporting and making sure that things are accurate. So first, firstly, let's talk about cash inflow. It's really important to understand that the dollar that came into your bank account today um, might have to last you an extended period of time. So we, uh, the accounting rules and, and 
are based on an accrual system, which means, for example, if we incur a cost or um, we invoice a client today, we've accrued and we've recorded the earned revenue and the, um, the amount of money that we're expecting to receive, uh, hence earned from the client or customer. The real issue is, is that just because you earned it today doesn't mean that it's going to hit your bank account today. So we need to plan for the timing difference between when you earn that revenue and when the client's gonna pay. So it might seem very nice if all of a sudden you get quite a few deposits or retainers or um, all of a sudden you collect a, a great amount of, of money from invoices that have been outstanding for the last 30 days but you've had a quiet period between that 30 days and today. So therefore you're probably not going to expect to receive very much in the next 30 days. So it's important not to think we've got a lump sum of money today. What are we gonna do with it? What's more important is how long does that have to last us before we collect again? And, what, and then defining what our absolute most critical investments are. So if you're a photographer, most definitely you're gonna to wanna to invest in cameras and, and what other um, types of equipment that's going to help you generate revenue. Small business owners to start generally don't have a lot of cash. So every bit that comes in, you pay yourself the very bare minimum and you try to build the business. That's normal. But what we try to help our clients do is forecast out. We're not saying don't spend it. We're not saying don't grow super important. And it's the passion. It's the why we do what we do as small business owners but we help them understand when they can spend, how much they can spend, and what areas they should spend in first. So on the cash side, that's pretty important. When are we going to collect versus when we earned? Also on the expense side, it's the same concept. Uh, you know, you can't skip payroll. You have to pay the government. There are certain things that come before all the other expenses that you might start incurring. So knowing how much money you can spend, knowing when you're gonna collect it, knowing when you have to, to um, pay it out, all comes together as one big picture. So we help identify that. Now, in addition to collecting cash, we look at our receivables. It's another important KPI for small business owners is let's look at the time it takes us to collect the money from the time we invoice the client. So days outstanding AR or AR turnover, we wanna keep that as short as we can. And on the flip side, on your accounts payable, we wanna extend our terms as long as we can, right? So we collect faster and we pay later. We use our money for our own internal uh, growth for as long as we can before we, we pay off our vendors or our team. Um, sometimes we can work with vendors and, and, and figure out, you know, how we can work together and maximize that time. And with our customers, kind of make whether or not you offer a discount for quick payment or maybe it's due upon receipt and you don't offer terms, um, whatever suits your business the most. Mm, okay. And so I think, and I don't know if it's in your experience, but you know, at least the, the really um, 
young entrepreneurs, people who are just entering the, the work uh, into the industry, uh, a lot of times they're just picking off numbers uh, in terms of what they're charging people um, solely based on their local competition. And, you know, how, how dangerous could that be for, for an individual um, who maybe doesn't build the businesses understanding the numbers that really go behind it? And, you know, just kind of picking a number willy-nilly because that's what they feel like, you know, the market can serve. Um, in your experience as a bookkeeper, do you find people are uh, underpricing um, and then not being able to, say, remit their taxes or not being able to, you know, uphold a business uh, or even draw uh, revenue from it uh, because they're just too busy, you know, keeping everything afloat and they can't draw their own salary? Yeah, no, great point. So when we all first start out, it's a bit of a, no, it's very unknown. There's a lot of anxiety and perhaps uh, times of discomfort, um, but it's pushing you outside of your, your comfort zone. Um, so it's very easy to, let's say, price your service or product at, let's say, a very competitive or under undercut your competitive competitors so that you get into the marketplace and at the very beginning it seems like it works because you don't have a lot to pay for you don't have a lot of overhead you basically make sure you can cover the cost of your product or pay yourself a little bit out of the service and you're good to go where the difficulty comes in is as you grow um, and you have to scale your business to accommodate that growth and you've underpriced your services or product uh, dramatically compared to the competitor, now you have to get back up to a level where you can afford your overhead and you can afford your, your people, you can afford those expenses that didn't exist before. So now you're in a battle of volume uh, more than you were before. And the important the key component here is is now it's going to be very difficult for you to get your prices up to standard market value quickly because you have existing customers you kind of have sort of a base and an expectation so you might be able to get your new customers onto a new pricing very quickly but to bring your existing customers up to that level might take several months depending on on what the gap is, what the spread is between your price and the market value, or the value you need to start charging to cover those overhead costs. So our clients, quite honestly, uh, they often look at us and ask us for guidance, how much does it cost for me to run my business? What is my overhead? What is my cash or burn rate? How much cash do I need every day to survive? Uh, you know, back to somewhat basic stuff. But when you first start out, if you can sort of think about those um, or think about, you know, in six months or a year, what is the information that would be useful to me? And where do I plan on being? And try to put some, uh, some thought into what that might cost. And it'll help you better prepare, you know, for that growth period right up front instead of blindly just eagerly getting into the market and not really having a plan that defines those types of areas of business.
Yeah, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think a lot of the people that um, you know we coach in the marketing space, uh, a lot of them when they when they come uh, ask us, you know, they're they're at that point where, you know, it's born out of passion. Then you know when it's born out of passion, you don't really think about the money uh, upfront. And then what happens is, from a marketing perspective, uh, it's similar in, in a sense where you say it'll take uh, a few months, and and sometimes even more than that. Um, because what happens is, is people are working and charging, um, you know, X amount of dollars and now having to jump uh, exponentially uh, to accommodate the growth and to make sure that they're running a viable business uh, means that the people who expected that rate um, and refer people at that tier uh, are no longer your referral partners and you drop a, a huge amount. And it's really prevalent in our industry as photographers. Um, they're... They price it low to get them started and then they wonder when they jump you know 2x 3x their pricing um, why the referrals aren't coming back in and there, there's a part of it is the market will will take you at what you say you're worth but the problem is is if they've expected uh, that you were worth you know one thousand dollars and all of a sudden you're three thousand dollars the people that were referring you at one thousand dollars might not feel comfortable referring you at three thousand dollars and now you have the conundrum is, yes, are you making more and is it worth it? And are you going to lose too much clientele and not be able to keep your head above water? It's a challenging balancing act for sure. And every time you get into either uh, significant price increases or, or product service changes, you're just in a different market. So everything that you knew and you've learned to that point is super valuable, but you kind of have to rethink it and you have to redesign how you approach it because it is, like you said, it's a different, it's a different market. Same service, same product perhaps, but just a different target market. Hmm. So then let's take that back to the dashboard. Okay, so yeah. we've got uh, the revenue uh, is, is one thing um, and we're watching our expenses, but you know, from a tax perspective, the, the expenses are not exactly, uh, you know, 100% write-off. And so I think a lot of people misunderstand the, the write-offs. Is there a way that they can kind of get a, a good ballpark at what their real expenses are so they understand what that spread really looks like? Um, because, like, say, for instance, meal and entertainment, that's a 50%, uh, you know, write-off. Uh, if they're buying capital assets, they're depreciating depending on on the type of capital assets, whether they're electronic or or they're they're hard. They have different rates of depreciation. Um, you know, all of those things combined. So when a person's bringing this money in, and they're not really sure exactly what that cash flow looks like. So is there a, a quick and dirty way that they can just kind of get a ballpark so they're they're at least in the right right field? Yeah, it's a great point. Um... So our, our corporate taxes and our personal taxes, I just want to, to put a disclaimer out there that I'm not a tax specialist. So mm -hmm. please, um, I speak in broad terms and, and generalize you know, the concepts. Uh, but yeah, your, your taxes are obviously a cash outflow and it's important to forecast for those expenses as well. So, um, 
you know, uh, PSD is a good example. You collect PSD, but you don't get anything back for for um, paying it or dealing with the administrative. And there's a small commission that the provincial government will um, kick back to you. It maxes out $198 per uh, claim. But essentially, you know, you need to understand what revenue um, revenue streams are PSD applicable, what aren't, and know that that money that you collect is not available to spend. So we have to forecast out. We have to put that aside. It's an expenditure. It must be paid. The same with GST. Now, corporate tax is a little bit trickier. Um, like you had mentioned, uh, the capital assets, the assets that you purchase, uh, they need to meet the definition of an asset. Uh, there's some rules around it, but essentially it's um, a piece of equipment that you purchase today, but it's going to help you generate revenue over an extended period of time, generally referred to as useful life um, for accounting. And it's there are different terms for different accounting attacks. Mm -hmm. But essentially, the CRA tells you what category or what class those assets belong in. And they'll also tell you how you go about calculating the expense portion to match the revenue. So that can be a little bit tricky. Um, I really, for the most part, I like to set my clients up so that their accounting uh, amortization or rates are the same as tax. So when it comes to preparing or, or in this case, anticipating what your, your corporate tax will be, it's much easier because the two match, where in reality, you can have a different rate for accounting and different rate for uh, tax, which then you have to um, figure out the difference. So there are ways, there's schedules, schedule one of your corporate tax return you can use. You can fill out the main categories and it'll spit out a value. Um, I've used spreadsheets in the past to help me through that. And I can most certainly share that information if anybody's interested. Um, so yeah, there are ways that we can help our clients determine how much they need to save or the expectation of their taxes and uh, prepare for that as part of, that, part of their cash flow forecast. Hmm. That's good. Um, you know, for, for other people, um, if, if that was way over your head, make sure that you're connecting with uh, Ryan at intrepidem.com. Um, you know, for us here at the studio, I know one of the ways that uh, my dashboard works is, you know, I track the revenue in um, minus all the taxes that I've owed or pay. Um, and then uh, of that, um, I also take off uh, a certain percentage, uh, in my case, uh, a 20% uh, off the top um, that gets allocated to you know, everything that is in core services. Um, and for me, I took at the health of that account um, as an indicator of what's ahead and what's uh, coming. Um, and if that account isn't healthy, I know that there's something wrong with the pricing um, and or the, um, the expenditures or cost of, of, of goods, uh, you know, being produced. If, if, it's, if it's going down um, or it's staying level, it, it it generally means that there's something wrong in the pipeline. Uh, it's something hmm. that I have to kind of manage. So on my dashboard, that's what it kind of looks like. Um, you know, in terms of forecasting, I mean, nobody could have forecasted COVID-19 <laughs> wiping out entire uh, uh, 
you know, revenue streams for, for people. In that case, uh, you know, as people are going to come back online, you know, maybe hopefully two, uh, maybe three months from now, you know, what are some things that they're going to have to be understanding of uh, in their business? And, and of course, the economy, economic life cycle um, as they sort of try to lick their wounds and get back into it. You know, what, what would be some of your recommendations? Well, I, th I think it's um, particularly important right now when we talk about cash flow or we talk about the, the expectations in the future. And you're absolutely right. Um, Nobody could have predicted this, or I should say more specifically, totally prepared for something like this. Um, and, and so it's really important, I think, a lesson to take out of this. If you are a small business owner or a mid-sized business owner, a business owner period, and you find yourself in a position where you are lost, you don't exactly know where your business is at uh, financially, your cash flow is a bit of a, hmm, not too sure what's going on there. Um, that's the, 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 this is the the lesson to learn, to get your stuff in order and and pay a professional to help you. I always tell my clients when the going's good. That's when you really need to focus on your controls and your reporting ability, because when things go sideways you need to be reactive immediately, right? And certainly in the, in the current situation, we find that, you know, people just stop paying. Everybody stops spending money. So guess what? It felt really good yesterday because I've got a good, healthy accounts receivable. Guess what? You're not gonna see that money because your customers have no idea what to expect, right? So, we're going to have to ride this out, I think, um, clearly. But I would say don't expect to start collecting your receivables right away, right? You're going to have to prepare, in my opinion, for some cash reserve to get yourself going again. If you have payroll, it's going to be particularly important that you've got enough money set aside to cover that first payroll. Um, your government remittances, those types of things, yeah, there's going to be some deferrals, but um, you know, be prepared to slug it out and and be patient with your vendors and be patient with your customers because we're all in this together. And if you're able to build really good relationships through the very hard times and maintain them, you've got a team that's got your back, right? So if you can if you can just keep that in mind, I think you'll be you'll have a better reputation as a business owner, and you'll come out of it a, a lot stronger financially than if you kind of come down hard on everybody because every you just there's nothing there. Yeah, and that's true. I think I think the hardest part will be um, you know a lot of people are deferring their payments. Um, you know, and I don't know if it really hits them until until the the piper you know comes comes uh, knocking at the door to to collect because that deferral means that they're it's not that they don't owe it it's that they're just pushing it aside and that you know mounts some of those payments, um, and, and so from a cash flow perspective, what used to be you know 
let's just say you had an overhead of $10,000 um, because you deferred it three or six months. Uh, now your overhead is maybe what, $12,000. That's $2,000 more than you had plus all the, the uh, backlog of, of receivables if you had any before you know this, this all went down. Because uh, some people are purely transactional by nature, like like come in, get done, and and leave and pay. Um, but when you're trying to do payroll, uh, that that's a really big challenge. Um, and I don't know what the government is going to put in place uh, in order to help ease that load. But I, I just I'd imagine that uh, given the conversations that I've had in the last little while, I think there's some people who are in for a real doozy when that comes back online. It's true. We're going to be strapped both in our businesses and personally for cash for the most part, right? Everybody is sort of in the same scenario. We don't know how, how long we have to have a reserve for. And all of these deferrals sound really good. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. We're going to have to start dishing up pretty big checks here to get caught up. And uh, do what we can through this quiet period, whether we have to change our business model or, you know, just start offering things differently or in a different format to keep things going. Um, but just be prepared that that's going to hit. And if you're one of the lucky ones, maybe you're going to be able to collect a bit from your customers at the same time to help out. Um, on that note, I would encourage everybody to reach out to their customers and reach out to their, their vendors and keep that communication open. Put a plan together for, for that, that magical day when things go, go back to, I think, our new normal. I don't think we'll see it the way it ever has been before. But um, put a plan together. Start building that cash flow forecast and understand what to expect when you do open your doors again. Know who you have to pay first. Know the minimum amount that they are going to be able to accept in order for their, their, them to keep their doors open and provide you with service going forward. Restaurants are going to be hugely hit. Uh, food, food providers, produce, meat, seafood, you know, the restaurant industry has just come out of their slow period. So the restaurants have accumulated probably some substantial accounts payable balances. They've deferred paying a little bit on their vendors and everyone sort of expects that seasonal cyclical um, event to happen. And here we just got hit with a devastating, uh, business closure right at the moment where the, the restaurants start to pick up and catch up on those accounts payables. Uh, and so it's going to be particularly interesting and important to reach out to those vendors that provide you with your food and if you're a restaurant owner and let them know that you know that they're there, you know that they, you know, you need each other going forward and put a plan together and start building that cash flow forecast. More important now than ever. Absolutely. Um, do you think there are any other things that should be on a, on a daily dashboard for a person to look at at all? Yeah, so depending on what industry you're in, um, I just wanna talk a little bit about inventory. 
many businesses deal with inventory and inventory management is, well, it's a challenge. It's, uh, it's annoying. It's one of those things where you, you do need to get it right. And once you do and things move smoothly, it's not that big of a deal. Um, so I like to provide my clients with uh, indicators on their dashboards that allow them to understand how long it takes them from the time that they bring, a, 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 say, a, a toy in as inventory to the time that they sell that toy to the customer. So that's your inventory turnover or days outstanding inventory. That's particularly important because for every item that's in inventory, you're holding up your ability to spend that money on other areas of the business. So you don't want a lot of your capital, your cash to be sitting on shelves, hoping to sell, right? Hoping to turn into a sale and collection of money, some profit, hopefully. Yeah, especially if you're uh, collecting interest on that. Absolutely, right? So, so that's important. Uh, the other one, you know, how quickly do we do we collect our receivables? How um, how many days does it take us to pay for our or pay our vendors? So that's a bit of a balancing act. Um, and then we can look at different areas, more sophisticated areas, such as how well you're using your um, companies capital resources or you know different little uh, specific KPIs for your particular business or scenario they're all you can custom custom build those dashboards but those would be the basics you know your accounts receivable payable your inventory um, really all important stuff then you can also look at if you're a little bit of a larger business and you have a few employees you could look at your retention. How often, how long does somebody stay employed with us? Um, how much does it cost to train somebody, right? So you can start looking at daily sort of or weekly, maybe even monthly, um, and, and you can match your employee contribution to the amount of revenue that's generated in that same period. So we can start looking at maybe uh, uh, sale dollars per employee per hour or breaking down different divisions of your business so you can see where you're more profitable and where you're not, where you might want to continue offering services or doing business and maybe you want to close down or where should you spend your, your excess cash or resources for growth purposes to maximize your gross profit. Hmm. So they all tie in together. And then what we'll, we're able to do is not only create them, but we can monitor them for doing the bookkeeping as, as you know, part of our, our um, focus, our service focus, then we make sure those KPIs are correct. And as CPAs, we're able to provide our clients with an in-depth understanding and commentary around what those numbers are saying about their business and activities. Okay. So what if a person doesn't, um, you know, have a bookkeeper, doesn't think that they're ready for a bookkeeper? Um, you know, when is a time where they're going to go from, say, an Excel spreadsheet uh, and then maybe starting to look at a, uh, at a bookkeeping, you know, software? Um, you know, what, what are good indicators in a, in a, 
entrepreneur's uh, life cycle, you know, do they do they go from the shoebox and spreadsheet uh, and paper to you know um, an online or or offline uh, accounting software? Um, that's a bit tricky because my my gut reaction is to say don't start with spreadsheets but i know that that's not always um practical i would point out that, that a lot of the software programs now are, are are very reasonably priced and available on a cloud suite sort of platform which makes it very reasonable um, but i would say after you're you're finished your first year of business you know and things are are looking good and certainly after your second year of business i mean if you're sole proprietor right you're not incorporated and you're you, you've got a fairly basic business structure um then i would say you know year two or three you probably want to 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 get something set up if you're a a, a business owner that invoices quite frequently then i would say as soon as possible because you want that consistency you want to be able to really track payments uh, you want to be prepared for a cra audit if it comes so there are there definitely are advantages of, of starting off proper mm. um, and we we sit down with business owners that that might not be sure on what direction to go or when when to kind of um, start some of those projects. So we complimentary, we sit down complimentary hour or so and we we define what that looks like and, and help them guide them in the next steps. Sometimes it involves our services and sometimes it doesn't. Hmm. Well, I, I would highly recommend anybody who's listening to this podcast to uh, reach out to the bookkeeper uh, to get yourself set up initially. I know that when I first started, uh, I didn't do that. And uh, as Ryan can attest, it's a pretty big mess in the back end uh, when you're when bookkeeper after bookkeeper uh, after accountant tries to ad hoc and try to fix things, but not necessarily start you off on the right foot. Uh, and had that happened uh, two decades ago, for me, that would have been a, a much easier uh, transition and, and management of stuff uh, instead of trying to uh, fix it and uh, repair it uh, after the fact. So save yourself the heartache and the money, uh, do it well up front. Uh, it would be the biggest recommendation I could, I could tell you about uh, uh, getting your books uh, in order. Yeah, don't yeah, buy this software and do it yourself. Yeah, completely agree. You know, there's a cycle with bookkeepers and people's experience. Uh, same with accountants in a lot of ways. Um, there are many out there, and uh, we all seem to be experts, right? And and what's important is that um, to get your books in it in working order and cleaned up and to maintain it it's going to take some investment if you're not willing to learn do it yourself that's okay but do invest in in proper help and make sure that they're the bookkeeper that you you find is um has enough amount of experience exposure to different industries and uh preferably is um is supervised by somebody with the qualifications to do so. 
and it'll save you in the long run for sure. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, before you go, I really like to ask uh, our guests uh, about a resource uh, that you um, that you would recommend to people. It doesn't have to be part of your industry, uh, but just something that you find valuable that uh, other people might might like to to look into or or uh, uh, peruse at their at their leisure. Yeah, so it's a bit, a bit of a nerdy response perhaps, but a lot of the work that I do as a professional um, requires research and you want to find a reliable source. So in times like today, now, and even when you're considering some of the rules for, for how to transact or how to deal with your, your numbers, I go to uh, the Government of Canada's website. Um, Canada Revenue Agency is very helpful. I also will call their helpline and I will ask questions. And if you are ever needing on a provincial or federal level to get something in writing, ask for either a bulletin or for them to issue something um, formally, and then you have it as support if you're ever audited down the road. Perfect. Uh, BDC is another good good resource if you're looking at financing and how to grow your business at reasonable um, lending rates. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, for those watching, if you find any value in this, please uh, subscribe, uh, like our page. Uh, it really helps with the algorithm and helps us uh, you know, attract and bring more uh, professionals to, to talk about business things that... Uh, that are behind the curtains, so to speak. Um, you really want to try to move the needle for a thousand business owners. And if, I, if I've moved the needle in any way, yeah, please uh, join the community uh, and participate. Thank you again, Ryan. And uh, we will hopefully have you on a podcast another time. Thank you for having me.